the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Frank Sontag Show. I'm Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles, and I'll be filling in today. Hey, I like to start every hour with a verse from the Bible. This is from a non-believer. His name was Pontius Pilate. He was the governor sent from Rome to keep peace in Jerusalem. And he asked Jesus a question in John 1838. He said, what is truth? You know, in our world of fake news, facts changing on a regular basis, political narratives that change from one political party to another, and with some, however the tide of political correction, you know, uh, goes, and and where social media warns them to go, uh, you know, those narratives will go all over the place. But really, what is truth here today? Now, according to the dictionary, truth is the standard of correctness, that which is in accord to fact and reality. So when the Bible speaks of truth, it's describing that which corresponds to, get this, what's actually factual. It's what's absolute. It is not what's relative. For things that are relative can only compare to something else. They're not absolute. We are Christians, and we must be very careful in what we, as believers, call truth. It was Gregory Phillips that said this quote, One truth, out of context, can prove very dangerous, unquote. We must cling to truth, not a perceived truth, but actual truth. We must never embrace what former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger said when he said this quote, It's not a matter of what is true that counts, but a matter of what is perceived to be true, end quote. Now, that's what's happened now in the world. It's just they're going to run with whatever is perceived to be true, which is not true. Yes, there are many perceived truths that are out there, but when it comes to what a person stands for, when it comes to what we base our belief system on, what we base our lives on, what we base which, you know, a church we attend on, it should be based on the truth of God's Word. Because our world is filled with an endless amount of ideologies to pick from. Let's not forget what we're told in the Bible, 2 Timothy 4.3. Now listen, this is the Apostle Paul that wrote this. Now he wrote 50% of the New Testament. Think about that. Paul wrote half of the New Testament. And what was the last thing that he said in the last book that he said, in the last chapter of the last book that he said? So this is 2 Timothy chapter 4. It's the last book, last chapter that he wrote. He said, for the time will come. 
talking about the last days, the times in which I believe that we're living in right now. He says the time will come when they, who, the people in the world, will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, meaning, tell me what I want to hear, not what I need to hear, that they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Like, look, just tell me what I want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they'll turn aside to miss. But you, he said, who's the you? It's you, the true believers in Christ. He says, but you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, and do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. So what is truth? Well, the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 142, it says, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your law is truth. Who's he talking about? He's talking about God here, obviously. He says, your law is truth. Psalm 119, verse 151 says, you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Psalm 119, verse 160 says, the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. Well, this is Pastor Steve Wilburn, Core Church, Los Angeles, and we're talking about truth and why it's important as believers in Christ to embrace the whole truth of the Word of God. So what are some of the reasons for us as Christians to embrace God's Word? Not as just some book, not as a guidepost, but as what it is the word of truth. Well, number one, truth from what we know. See, this is, we can say that the word of God is truth from what we know because in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, look, all scripture is inspired by God. Now, that word inspired comes from this Greek word that means it's, it's literally God-breathed. And it goes on to say, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God may be adequate equipped for every good work. I wonder if those of you who are believers today that are listening here on the radio right now, driving, sitting in traffic, do you want to be set apart and adequate for every good work? I think every true believer would say, well, yes, I do want to be set apart. I want to be available to be a conduit for, for God to use here in this, in this world that's kind of filled with chaos. It's kind of lost its reason that we could be, what, possibly a, a voice of reason in the chaos that we're surrounded in? But how do we know that the Word of God is really the truth? The Apostle Paul uh, said, already that we need to what uh, embrace this scripture but we're told by peter in second peter 120 says but but know this first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will but men moved by the holy spirit spoke from god now, obviously, men recorded the Bible. How many times have you ever heard, well, you know, the Bible is just written by a bunch of men? Oh, yeah. 
Okay, well, hold on now. Let's back up. There's a criteria to the Word of God here. Okay, first of all, yes, it is men, people of flesh and blood like you and me. Are we flawed? Absolutely. Is the Word of God flawed? No. Why? Because it's men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So how do we have the Bible that we have today? You know that Moses wrote the Torah, the Pentateuch, the, the, the Word of God. Okay, so you have the, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the Word of God, the first five books of the Bible. Okay, so uh, the criteria for the 39 books of the Old Testament, because I don't think a lot of people understand that, that the Bible is a reliable source. It's not one book, it's actually 66 different books. It's written by 40 different authors. But again, what was the criteria that was given? So the Torah, or the law of God, that was given by Moses, the first five books of the Bible. So when you break up the Bible and say there's 39 Old Testament books and, and, and uh, 27 New Testament books, the Old Testament was set apart by Hebrew scholars in like 183 BC. And how did all 39 of those books get in? Because the criteria was that after Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, no other book could contradict what was previously written by Moses. If there was something else in there that didn't go along with what was previously written, I'm sorry, it's out of here. So we can trust the reliability of the canon of Scripture. The canon means the standard or rule of truth. And so that's how we got the Old Testament. And of course, the New Testament sets firmly on the strong foundation of the Old Testament. And what's the criteria for the New Testament? Well, for all of those authors of the New Testament, somewhere around eight authors, there was like 32 authors of the Old Testament. It's like they couldn't contradict what was previously written in the Old Testament. Okay, that was established by Moses in the first five books, the Torah, the law of God. And then they also, the eight authors of the New Testament had to either walk with Jesus or get their information from those that did walk with Jesus. So that's how we got the 27 books of the New Testament. You know, God said in Isaiah 55, 11, he says, my word goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty or void, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve for the purpose in which I sent it. Wow, really? And Jesus confirmed that fact in the New Testament where he said in John 17, 7, 17, he said, sanctify, meaning set them apart in the truth Thy word is truth. Yes, so number one, we know truth from what God has told us in his word. Number two, we know truth from what we see. Really? Yes. You know, Romans 1.20 tells us, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. So they are without excuse. Now, who's the they? The they are those who question God. Like, oh, we, we didn't come from God. God didn't create all of this world. No, we, we believe in evolution. And I can say this because I used to be an evolutionist. It's like, yes, you're somewhere, you know, as NASA says, there was a big bang explosion some 13.5 billion years ago. You sure that wasn't 10 billion years ago? 
You sure that wasn't 20 billion years ago? No, it was 13.5 billion years ago. There was an explosion, and, and somehow life was started to form from these cells and what have you. And through millions and billions of years, you know, they finally turned into a living being, which turned into a monkey, which turned into Cro-Magnon Man and Neanderthal Man, and bing, walla, bang, here we are today as this species, a hybrid species of the animal kingdom. But it says in Psalm 14, 1, though, God says this. He says, only the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Really? Are you calling a non-believer a fool? No, absolutely not. Uh, God is. God's calling you a fool. And that word fool in uh, the Bible means that you're senseless. That, that, like, or do you really think that everything just kind of created itself? That's why we're told in Romans 20, uh, 120, it says that the very creation itself, you know, it just excludes the, the glory of God. Now, some people will look and say, look, hey, I can't see the forest. Why? Because all these trees are in the way. Uh, excuse me? That is the forest? See, his creation. See, it, it, we don't have to really be like rocket scientists here. I mean, you know, there's, there's not a whole bunch of different options here. Uh, either there is a God, a great designer of everything that we see, and he created everything that we have, or we and just everything was created by itself. It just all happened. But is that even possible? I mean, how is it? See, things amaze me and they, they grab my attention. Yeah, and I think like, how did that happen? Because I'm sitting here at this desk in this studio and I'm talking to you here on the radio as you're driving in a car, sitting in a parking lot of traffic on the freeways here in Southern California. And I'm holding in my hand a styrofoam cup. And I'm thinking like, that's a pretty basic styrofoam cup. But you know, it took a lot of design to make this styrofoam cup. This styrofoam cup didn't just make it on its own. It's like having this outrageous outrageous Thanksgiving dinner that your wife or your mother made and like, oh, this is absolutely awesome. Well, is it possible for that Thanksgiving dinner to be made if we were to take a live turkey, throw it in your backyard, you know, take a bunch of potatoes and yams and toss them back there in a pile, you know, uh, take a, a few more, you know, green beans and throw them up there and then just blow it all up. And all of a sudden it land perfectly on a table with plates and everything. You're saying, well, no, it's that's not possible. You have to prepare everything. You have to, you have to design this dinner. You have to set the table, all of those things. Well, absolutely. So if we think that for our turkey dinner, how do we think everything else just made itself? Did you know that on a giraffe, it's got a humongous heart? Did you know the heart of a giraffe is like two foot long? Why does a giraffe have a two foot long heart? Well, because he's got this huge artery that runs up to feed blood to his brain. And did you know that in that artery that goes all the way up that neck, that's like 10, 12 feet long. Did you know that in that artery, there's all of these valves that are in that artery that runs up to his 
brain. Why? Because when the draft takes his head all the way down to pick up something off the ground, that the blood doesn't rush his brain and his head explodes. So all these valves shut. So when his head goes down, that blood won't rush to his brain. Now, if we believe in evolution, how many giraffes had to die in evolution? Oh, there's giraffes laying everywhere. Why? Because their head exploded because the valves in their artery hasn't yet evolved. Of course, that's ridiculous. A giraffe is a giraffe because it was created as a giraffe. And it was made with a two-foot-long heart to pump the blood all the way up to his head. And there's valves in there because God put them in there because he created it. Or what about this? Here's another example. Because if we think that it takes a designer to make a styrofoam cup, if we know that it takes a designer to put together a wonderful Thanksgiving Day dinner, it's like, doesn't it take a designer to create these bodies that we live in? Oh, that, by the way, have a separate fingerprint on all 7.5 billion people on planet Earth? Did you know that not only are our fingerprints different, did you know that our tongue has a print on it? And it's different than every other person on planet Earth. And now with science, since we listen to science so much now, science has told us that we all have our own DNA strand that separates us from all 7.5 billion people. Some will say, well, what, what about twins? They have the same DNA. Yes, they do. But it's different than everybody else. And think about this. Think about two words here. Irreducible complexity. Irreducible complexity. What does that mean? It means that we can't reduce our dumbed down complexity. For example, like the eyeball. Eyeball is a pretty complex thing. I mean, think about it. You know, it's like, you know, it has a cornea, it has a pupil, it has an iris, it has a lens, it has a retina. I mean, there's all these different parts. And if you ask an optometrist, they will tell you if there's one part of the eye that's not there, the whole eye doesn't work. So you got to have the cornea, the pupil, the iris, the lens, the retina, and it's all got to work for the eyeball to work. And how does it work? Light comes in to the lens of your eye. It hits the retina. A picture travels in through a brain through to the brain in a series of 127 million rods and cones to each to reach your brain okay that's like a fiber optic system that's connected to your eyeball to your brain and in a picosecond a millionth of a millionth of a second you have the image in your brain so when i look at something i'm looking at my cup here there's a red chair here i'm looking at wilbert he's our engineer here as soon as i look at that it's not like your phone when you're trying to download something is this thing ever going to download is it going to download in this lifetime no it's like because of these hundred and 27 million rods and cones that are like a fiber optic system. All of a sudden, when I look at something, immediate picture in my brain. So again, how did that happen? How did the eyeball evolve? Was it just like, well, there was a pupil and 500 million years later, a retina showed up and then a lens showed up and then, you know, cornea showed up. And then, you know, through all of these millions of years, it's like it turned into bing, walla, bang, an eyeball that worked. No, it's the whole package or none of it works. See, we are 
fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. The eyeball didn't create itself over millions of years of evolution. It was created by a living God, the great designer of all humanity. And, you know, and we know this truth. Why? Because it's inside of us. Think about this. Romans 2.15 says that the God's law is written in our own hearts, and our conscience bears witness of that. I mean, think about that for a second. It's like, you know, do you have to be told, thou shall not steal? Do you have to read the Bible? Do you have to turn to Exodus chapter 20, where it lists the Ten Commandments? Do you have to read in there, oh, thou shall not steal, thou shall not kill, thou shall not commit adultery? Don't you know instinctively that those things are wrong? When you go to steal something, when I was five years old, stealing a candy bar from the store, oh, I was looking to the left and to the right. I was looking everywhere, although I forgot to look up because God was watching me. I mean, do we really know, uh, have to be told and read in the Bible that, oh my goodness, I shouldn't sleep with my neighbor's wife? Do I really have to know that? Do I really have to know that I shouldn't just go out and shoot my neighbor if he won't loan me his lawnmower? See, we know these things instinctively ex- because why? God put them in our fleshly tablets of our heart. Again, look, it's not rocket science. It comes down to God created the heavens and the earth. He has given us his word, and he's revealed himself within his word. And that's why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, if you seek me, you will find me. If you ask, you shall receive. If you knock, it'll be opened. A lot of times people don't believe in God because they don't seek, they don't ask, they don't knock. But if we seek and we start reading the Word of God, God will open our eyes. He will illuminate for us the desire to know Him. So I encourage each and every one of you, go to your Bibles. Read a little bit. Maybe there's some on listening right now, they're like, I don't have a Bible. I don't know. I, I don't know about these things. I don't know if I agree with you. In fact, I don't know if I like you. In fact, I hate you. Okay, that's fine. Hate me all you want. But if you want a Bible and you want to read about these things, you can text me and I'll mail you a Bible. That's right. It's an easy to read English with all kinds of notes. You can text me at Bible at corechurchla.com. That's Bible at corechurchla.com. And what are you going to do what? What are you going to talk to me about? What are you going to text me? Your favorite restaurant. No, just kidding. Give me your name and address and I'll mail you one. This is Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles. And we're filling in here for the Frank Sontag Show. And may the Lord God bless you. And you're not going to believe who I have coming up in our next segment. So don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening. And you're going to love our next guest. Hi, this is Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles, and welcome back. You know, the Bible says in Romans 13:1 that every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists this authority has opposed the ordinances of God. 
Well, as you know, there are many today who are resisting the authority that has been established here in this country. Many of our large cities have defunded their police departments. Yesterday, the top news stories were Washington, D.C. is now trying to hire another 200 police officers, along with Minneapolis, Seattle. They're all doing the same. These huge cities that defunded and let so many police officers go are now rehiring. Why? Well, obvious. What did they think was going to happen? Massive spikes in crime. Today's headlines, homicides are up 16% across the United States. Another man in his mid-30s was arrested for being in the room of a 10-year-old little girl. He's been arrested multiple times, and he should not have been let out on the street. Well, with all of these things happening around us, today we have the great pleasure of having a dear friend of mine, Officer Ken Crawford from a major law enforcement agency. He's been on the police force for some 39 and a half years. He's also a chaplain on the police force. Officer Ken Crawford, welcome to our show today. Well, thank you, Pat. Thank you very much for having me, and uh, God bless everyone in the radio audience today um may his protection be upon you yeah well sir you know we know all the stats uh you know them better than i know them uh, and we know how we got here but what i would like to ask you right now as an officer uh you know what can people do right now what can people do well uh pastor um uh, first it's a blessing to be on the show on a friday um thank the lord for everyone in los angeles and the county and wherever um this radio station is reaching today um i like i said in the beginning i pray god's blessing upon you i think uh the biggest issue that's facing us right now as you stated in the beginning is a rise in crime in cities all over america uh, not just here in Los Angeles, but in the major cities, New York, Atlanta, Chicago, all of these major cities. And I think, um, well, you know, what needs to happen as a as a unified effort is for the public to support the men and women that are on the front lines that are um, fighting this uh, battle called crime and, and uh, justice and bringing um, unlawful people to justice and and creating thereby peace in the communities and and health for all of those who want to enjoy the American dream. Um, and, and it's important that uh, the radio listening audience know that uh, the men and women in law enforcement are some of the best I've seen over my 39 and a half years. Um, you know, no agency or no issue is without fault, um, and none is perfect, as the scriptures have declared that all of us sin and we all fall short of the glory. But uh, what I've seen over my uh, time as a as an officer, as a chaplain, as a father and a husband in uh, the community in Los Angeles and now where I live in the Inland Empire, I see every day hardworking um, men and women in law enforcement that are working extremely hard to make sure uh, that the streets are safe, but they cannot do it alone. Uh, they're going to need the prayer of the saints that are listening today. They're going to need the support. And we as law enforcement agencies want to uh, partner with you and collaborate with you on how we can uh, work as a team 
to go out in communities where there is high crime and there is issues happening so that we can work together to figure out programs to give people opportunities and to um, help reduce crime and for the public to be our eyes out there to alert us to what is going on because we can't be every place at every time. And I think that it's important that in that support base that those uh, men and women uh, know for sure that, that the public is behind them. Because as I look at the Officer Down page, Pastor Steve, which is a, a monthly uh, um, accounting of how many law enforcement officers across the United States have unfortunately since uh, January lost their life in the line of duty. I think the number is up to 175. That's got to be a number that is unbelievable. This is Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles. I'm on the phone with police officer uh, Ken Crawford, been on the force for some 39 and a half years uh, you know, Ken, you, you've actually been uh, to our church, Core Church Los Angeles. You have spoken there before. Yeah, I, I count you as a dear friend. Uh, you know, in our church here, we are in, this, uh, in the center of Los Angeles. We're on the west side of L.A. And uh, I try personally to encourage police officers wherever I go. If, if I'm somewhere and a police officer is coming in for lunch, I will tell that officer, thank you for your, uh, for your hard work. And I know that uh, you know this because you have worked uh, on a police force for almost four decades. And I know that 99 and nine-tenths of police officers are there for the right reason. They are there to uh, put the bad guy away, to keep justice. Uh, you know. So what, what can we do as people to, to really help and pray and encourage? Uh, what are some pointers for us? Well, I, I think, um, you know, as you stated, just um, you and others and all of our listening audience, um, I, I don't want to put anybody up on a pedestal, but I can tell you that four decades of me in this agency um, um, patrolling the streets of a major city and doing everything in my power and my strength and my health to keep the community safe. Um, has been um, not only challenging for my life, but very motivational, very inspirational. And I've met um, a whole lot of good people along the journey. And I think that that needs to be imparted to the new generation of young officers on the street. They need to be encouraged. They need to be uh, motivated that they're doing the right thing, that they're making the right decisions. And I, I, I believe in this agency, and I think that the average person needs to believe in the agency. They need to believe in the police officers that they, the public, uh, give the authority uh, to police their city. Um, I believe in it so much, Pastor Steve, that my son, who is uh, 23 years old, is now a part of a major law enforcement agency in L.A. County. And if I didn't believe in it, I would have encouraged him to do something different. But, you know, from a very young age, um, he saw what his father was doing and the decisions and, and the, the, uh, the effort that his dad was putting into this career, and he thought it's something that he would carry on the legacy. Um, all I can say is that um, for the young men and women that are serving, um, I see the inspiration, I see the motivation, I see the right um, tone in their hearts. I know they want to do the right thing, and they're trying to do the right thing, and I think the public's help in encouraging them and letting them know that that they are valued and they're wanted, 
um, will go a long way. Um, now, that's not to say that we don't sit down at the table together and we figure out how we can together um, build programs to help people in the community and to better the quality of life for people all over this country. I think that that is the issue where the public and the, and the, the police department and fire departments and local government need to sit at the table of fellowship, get to know one another. And we need uh, ideas from people in the community. You know, what are the best practices? I mean, it's your community, and you need to help us police that community and not put the honest completely on the officers, but give us your input. Because when I was serving out there, Pastor Steve, um, I would welcome the public to tell me any great ideas they have that we can put on the table and we could work together to figure figure out how we can reduce crime and how we could better the quality of life for the people in the city that I was entrusted to serve. Yeah, this is Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles, and we're interviewing police officer Ken Crawford. And, you know, uh, Ken, I, uh, I think that people don't recognize uh, that they have a voice. Uh, I think we need to be uh, involved, uh, you know, with our Department of Justice, all of these things, uh, district attorneys, uh, because I know that a, a police officer can do everything right, do his job. But if we don't have some punishment for the bad guy, then that's not going to d- deter the bad guy. I think about what it says in Ecclesiastes 8.11, where it says, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore, because of that, because there's no punishment, therefore, the, the hearts of the sons of men are given fully to do evil. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Uh, a police officer can do everything right, and he can put someone in jail, but if that person doesn't stay in jail, then it there's no determined. So I think that... Uh, we can have a voice in, you know, maybe on the political side, too, in calling those city council members and things and, and maybe making our voice heard there. Well, I think you're, you're absolutely correct. It, it, it's important that the justice system works. It, it is important that a person um, is punished for their, um, their wrongdoing. Um, however, that punishment is is dealt out by a judge and by a jury of, of the peers of the person who is put on trial. Yes. Um, it, it's important that everyone knows that, that that is the topic of the day, that there are no passes for the things that, uh, that really cause a lot of havoc and chaos, chaos in the society. But I think one of the things uh, also that the people in the public can do is go to the community meetings. Um, I know the agency that I'm affiliated with um, has these kind of community meetings all the time, all over the city. And I would encourage uh, people to go to these meetings and let their voice be heard. Um, You know, you get to meet all of the leaders, you get to meet all of the top um, people in authority, and uh, they want to hear from you. Um, They want your participation, and and they need your participation. And like I said in the very beginning, that's a part of the collaboration, that's a part of the partnership. And I think once... uh, you know, the, the public uh, becomes a part of those meetings. Um, there will be mutual understanding as to where everybody's 
position is. As you know, God. Uh, Amen. Us in- hey, listen, uh, we're going to take yeah. a quick break here. Uh, this is Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles. And don't go away because I'm going to ask a very personal question to Officer King Crawford as soon as we get back. So may the Lord bless you and we'll be right back. Ken, Ken, hey, sorry, yes, yes. sorry, it's like we were on a hard commercial break. Sorry about that. I kind of dropped no, that question on you deal. with not really giving you full time to answer it. So, no, hey. yeah. So anyway, when we when we come back, we're going to have uh, Wilbert. How much time do we have when we get back? Let me get the kind of somewhat exact time. Okay, we're going to have about nine minutes. Okay, okay. so so what I, you know, I want to hear your personal testimony. I want to hear, you know, you know, what kind of drove you the emptiness, what drove you to Christ, you know, so I'm going to pretty much give you that whole nine minutes. Okay. So the only thing I need to do is I'm going to come back in. I'm going to say, so Ken, you know, you came onto the force, you know, you were ready to, you know, fight crime, you know, all of this. Uh, It's like, what happened? You know, what, Uh, you're a believer. What happened? So I'm going to, I'm just going to give it to you like that. Now, if there's any way that you can have something that'll show time so that, you know, some kind of stopwatch or something, we got yeah. nine minutes. So about five minutes, I got to come in and I got to do a reset, like sure. who I'm talking to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and we got to be done in nine minutes. So oh. mm-hmm. I, I want, you know, I, I, I got to come back in at about when there's two minutes left and I got, and I, I'm going to, you know, cut you off. So just know I'm cutting you off at like four and a half minutes. And then I'm, I'm cutting you off where there's two minutes left. And when it's, when I say two minutes, boy, you got to like, I'm going to say, Ken, what would you say to the person who needs to come to know, you know, Christ or, or that, that person? Cause I'm going to take something that you say in your testimony, maybe they're right where you were. So, sure. okay. So just be ready for that, you know? Uh, I got you. Yeah, so so you you got to somehow sum it up quick, you know. And I know you can, you know, but I sure. believe that, you know, God wanted you on this program here. That's why I was calling you at the beginning of the week. I I know that God has he ordained it to happen this hour, you know. And so Beautiful. uh yeah, absolutely. And I know that someone needs to hear your voice of reason today, you know. So this next segment it's all about you and coming to Christ and what drove you to him and then how you can help someone else in that same place and position, you know? So, all right, I'm going to put you back on hold and you're going to be back on. And so uh, again, about four and a half minutes, I need to do a reset and then I'm going to come in when there's two minutes left and you got to sum it up because I need the last 30 seconds to get out of the program. Sure. Sure. Okay. So man, thank you so much, Ken. And uh, all right, we'll put you back on hold and we'll bring you right back on. All right. God bless. Wilbur, did all that make sense? <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> all right, so uh, we got about nine minutes. Okay. And I'm going to be, it's going to be a hard out at 55. Is that, is that right, Wilbert? Wilbert, can you hear me? Okay, so it's going to be a hard out at 55. Okay. Ken, can you hear me right now? Yes, I can. Oh, okay, great. All right. 
I didn't know you were still on there. I thought you were back on hold or whatever. Okay, cool. How much time do we have, Wilbur? Minute 30. Okay, we're going on to 90 seconds, you know. Hey, awesome, you, you know. God, you, you have such a powerful uh, testimony, Ken. You, you got you to, gotta like, man, you got to. Man, you got to make it happen, man. <laughs> it's like well, I hope, I hope what I said in the beginning had some merit. So no, it did absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. and and now, uh, you know, this is the, you know, this is what was so cool about talking to you this morning. Because as soon as you started talking about your testimony, I'm like, oh, okay, that's where we got to end. You know, that's where we got to end. And uh, I think you totally had merit. Well, I would, I would bring in the the uh, the. Um, um, the issue about, uh, you know, what is it going to take to, you know, curb some of the crime? You know, we spent a lot of money. We we build programs, but yet crime is rising, yet this, that, and the other. But what is the answer? I mean, okay. what was... Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay, oh, it, it's going to come to you just like that. So gotcha. I'll hand it to you with a little package and a bow on it. You take it and yeah. run. It's like the baton at the Olympics, and I'm coming. I'm handing you the baton, Ken. All right. We're coming on here in a second, I think. Well, welcome back. This is Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles, and I'm on the phone with police officer for 39 and a half years, Officer Ken Crawford. So let me ask you, officer, it's like, look, we have spent millions of dollars. You could say we have spent billions of dollars across this country trying to curb crime and all of the things. We keep throwing more and more money at it. And it doesn't seem like it's helping. It's like we got a huge problem here. It seems bigger than what it is on the surface. Can you address that for the listening audience right now? Well, um, I, I, I think that uh, it, it is important to um, to budget these issues when it comes to spending money for public safety and security. That's important, uh, not only for the training um, and the um, the equipment of agencies throughout the United States, also for building programs and putting money into areas where uh, there are spikes in crime um, and yes. to assist people who might uh, be going through uh, financial issues and, and mental health and other issues like that, homelessness and, you know, all the, all the issues today that we're tackling. But for me, um, if I had to look at, you know, four decades of my life's journey in law enforcement and uh, as a family man and as a person who started this career out very young, uh, about the age of my son, who I um, stated uh, is now 23 and is well into his career two years, um, I have to say that um, I was motivated, encouraged, um, you know, big city police department, um, you know, um, I had the sense that that uh, I was going to get out there and fight crime and to provide that safety for the people in the public. And then life happened. And um, I would like to say that that it is that it fulfilled me. I'd like to say that it that it uh, it filled my tank in every area of my life, but it did not. Um, and then. You know, my journey uh, uh, had hard times, and and the thing that um, gave me the illumination in life and the fulfillment in life and a change of heart was 
the Lord, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Really? So how did that come about, Ken? Again, this is Pastor Steve Wilburn, Core Church, Los Angeles. We're interviewing police officer Ken Crawford, been on the force for 39 and a half years. So you're telling me that you went through the academy, you did, you jumped through all the hoops, your your dream came true, you became a police officer, and yet there was still something missing inside. Well, you know, that's a story that, um, you know, in church settings, um, you know, speaking at congregations uh, all across the city and county, you, you hear testimonies that are similar to mine. I'm no one special, you know, people who are very successful in their career, money, fame, and all these things. But uh, there is a void, and the void was uh, pretty much spiritual, and, and it didn't, uh, all of the material values didn't, didn't and, and in a lot of cases, do not. Uh, fulfill a person. It doesn't define you. Um, you're a spiritual person. You're a spiritual being. And so until Christ came into my life, and I really began, you know, it was year 10, um, I really began once once I, you know, came to, to, to uh, understand and serve and follow Christ, um, really began to understand my calling and my definement as an officer, as a peacemaker, and not just a law enforcement person, but as somebody who was an example to people in the community and, and passion and love and empathy to people and, and really trying to look at it through the eyes of God. And why did he have me in a, this agency at that particular time uh, that I served? And, and what was my purpose? And I think um, for this end of the, the partnership in law enforcement, I think that's something big that, you know, every officer needs to come to terms with is why is why are you called? Yes. And if you're called, what is the true position that God is calling you to do? And I know one is enforce the law, but the other is to, you know, love the community and to help the community and to be there for the community and to keep the community safe. And as I stated before, I see that in the hearts of many of the young men and women that are that are out there right now, both in the senior ranks and in the, you know, the, the junior and moderate ranks. Um, but for me, it was that change once Christ came into my life to really see uh, what my benefit would be in society. Um, how was I going to be uh, a living example of the gospel, um, not just something that I read in the Bible or not just something that I heard beautiful and eloquent sermons in the church, but I had to live out what Christ was was uh, um, um, illuminating to my mind through the Gospels. Um, and that became the true peace. That became the true contentment. And, you know, for those listening right now that may be battling that right now, what is my true contentment? What is my true peace? And, you know, I go to church and I, I sit there and I listen to all of the great sermons and, and I still feel empty. I still feel lost. And I would venture to say that you need an intimacy with God and, and a deep love with Him. And that means that you have to live out the decrees that he is, he is putting forth to you by the Word of God. And once you live out those decrees, I think that is where true peace and rest comes from, that I, I, I'm not being religious in anything, but I'm living a true doctrine of rest and peace in God, and you're, you're living the direction that God is giving you through the Scriptures. This is um, Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles, and I'm interviewing police officer Ken Crawford, who's been on the police force for almost 40 years here in a major city. And so, Ken, so what you're describing here, because I think 
there's a lot of people that have gone to church and they've, you know, they have kind of gone through the motions. And I guess you could say maybe it's been maybe a religious relationship with with God, uh, but not a personal relationship with God. And maybe there's other people listening. They don't have any relationship with God. They were just stumbling around and found, you know, fell on this radio station. And here we have a police officer talking about coming into a personal relationship with God. How have you, as a police officer, with all the demands, raising a family, a husband, a father, uh, on the police force, involved with so many different areas, how have you developed that relationship? Pastor discipline, um, praying, um, seeking the face of God, uh, a daily reading of the scriptures, daily devotions. Um, one of the, the the most joyous times in my life is getting up in the morning and sitting at the table with my wife and us having devotions and discussing the scriptures and, you know, and examining myself. And, and as I read the Bible, um, I, I begin to replace uh, those characters and situations for me. Uh, is that me, God? And if that is me, then what do I need to do to be a better person, to be a better uh, person obedient to your word? Um, a better person that's more humble and and more um, um, aware of what uh, your teachings are telling me to do. So let me a- think- so let me ask you on that thought here. Since we're getting towards the end of our program, we only have a couple minutes left here. So, so officer, what would you say to the person who's listening right now, who's hurting, who's broken? They don't get up in the morning and have devotions. They don't. They haven't done any of that. All they know is is they're, they're, they don't like what they're seeing in the world right now. It's filled with chaos, and they're unsure about tomorrow. Uh, what would you say to that person right now? You have a God that is so merciful and lovable and, and loving, and, and, he, uh, and he's so graceful. And I, I would trust him that, first, he loves you. Second, he has demonstrated that love by sending his son to the cross uh, to bear all of the the pain and suffering so that you would be forgiven of whatever sin, and it doesn't matter how big or how small. But he went to the cross, and he suffered, and he was beaten and broken and crucified so that um, God could have a relationship with you. And no matter what you have done, you have a loving God that's not going to be judgmental, He's not going to say, I told you so. He's going to welcome you into his arms, and he wants you to live the most peaceful and the most blessed life that, that he can possibly afford for you. And if you're hurting and broken right now, you know, just just kneel or wherever you are, just say, Lord, I, I, I need you. I want you. Lord, I repent of whatever I've ever done, but I know that you're real, and I know that you love me. And I know that you are a forgiving God. You will have mercy on me. And and you know what? If you say those things, God will show you in no uncertain terms how much he does love you. I believe, like me, he showed me very clearly how much he loved me and how much he wanted to have a, a intimate relationship with me. And I would tell whoever that is that's broken, it's not about a religion. It's about a personal relationship. It's about a father that you can, in your quiet time, speak with and call upon and pray to and, and open yourself up to. Amen. And if you, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
Officer Ken, you know, we're here at the end of the show, and man, thank you so much. And I exhort every single person that just heard what what Officer Ken had to say, you pray to God and he will hear you. That's why Jesus says, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Thank you so much for listening here on KKLA today. We so appreciate your listenership, and may the Lord God bless you.